This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Well, tonight we're going to continue talking about our inheritance in Christ Jesus. You know, there's more in us than what we've been walking in. So if you have your notebook or your iPad or your phone, however you take notes, hopefully you have your Bible there. Let's start in Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to read from verses 13 through 19. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Now we've been talking about the power in that question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Have, have we been in the process long enough that you know Him, yes, as Savior? That's the main uh, purpose of our relationship with Jesus is to know where we're going to spend eternity. But He's so much more than that. He is healer. He is deliverer. He is protector. He is provider. The list goes on and on. But you've got to answer that question for yourself, and I've got to answer it for myself. Who do I say that He is? Who do you say that He is? And then the disciples go on and they say, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say He's one of the prophets. Some say this and some say that. But what they say doesn't have as much power as what you say. Who is Jesus to you? And I want to encourage you, how do you develop uh, to know Him more than just Savior? Will you find the Scriptures on healing? You look through the Gospels and you begin to follow Jesus' life and His ministry and you discover why He was here and how He operated and that He was an express image of the Heavenly Father. And you learn that, okay, I want to know Him as healer. So I find the Scriptures, and I begin to meditate on them, and I believe them in my heart, and I begin to declare them with my mouth, and I want to know Him as provider. Well, you find the Scriptures, and you meditate on them, and you believe them in your heart, and you declare with your mouth. You get the point here in relationships, whatever it is. Who do you say that I am? Now, it's very important that we settle who Jesus is. First and foremost, He is Savior. He is Lord, He is Savior, and He wants a relationship with you. And Jesus is looking at you and I, and He's saying, who, who do you say that I am? And then, let's pick it back up here. And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now, now think about what's happening here. The Father reveals to Peter who Jesus is. Jesus says that you didn't come up with this on your own. See, we understand who God is by our spirit. It, it's not something we grasp with our mind. We want to take it from our mind to our heart to our life. We want to, it's all connected there, but to understand 
who Jesus is and what we have in Christ Jesus, it's not going to be done with our intellect. I know people that have lots of letters behind their name. They're very intellectual, very sharp, and that's fine and dandy. But a revelation of who Jesus is comes with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is explaining to Peter. Peter, you didn't come up with this on your own, but by this revelation that you have, I'm going to build my church. He says, this rock, this revelation of who Jesus is, I'm going to build my church. Church is not a religious word. It's a governmental word. And we've talked about this. The church means the called out ones, the ones who are willing to come near and to hear the heart of God and to hear the mind of God, just like the, the emperor or the king at that time. He would call individuals out and he would bring them around and he would share his heart and share his plan and share his mind, expecting them to take what was on his heart and to go out and implement it. Well, this is what Jesus is communicating to you and I. He says, once you have a revelation of who God is and your inheritance in Christ Jesus, when it's revealed to you and it becomes a, a rock, it, it's just solid in your life. He says, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to, I'm going to build the called out ones who come near to here with the intention of going and doing. And, and part of this is I'm going to give you some keys. Keys represent authority, like if you have a key to a house, you can unlock the door or lock the door, or keys to your car, you can unlock the car or lock the car, you can start the car or turn the car off. With keys, you determine who comes in and who goes out. You determine what happens. And Jesus is saying when, when a character and nature of God is revealed, when an understanding of a certain thing in life is revealed, He says, I give you that key. I want you to think about this. We've, we've talked about Isaiah 42, 46, 49, and, and how Satan wants to keep people locked down. He never intended you and I to have a relationship with the Father. He never intends for mankind to progress and to be the best us we can be. He never intends for us to live a life of joy and peace and freedom. He never intends for anybody to get free from drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever it could be. However, he has us bound but Jesus says that I was alive and then I was dead and now I'm alive forevermore and now I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, 20, he says, Now all power and authority has been given unto me. And he turns and he gives it to the church. And here Jesus is saying, I, I give you the keys. God wants you and I to take the keys. Now this is very important here. With our gifts and our calling and our assignment... 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, When I'm in my place and you're in your place and we're using our gifts and our calling and the assignment, the things that God has placed in us, and we go into those spheres of influence, take your keys. Because there are people in those areas that are bound, they're locked up, they're shut down. But we have authority in our sphere of influence and we can unlock, unlock the doors and let them know, come out because the door's been opened. Come out because Jesus has already defeated Satan. You don't have to stay bound. You don't have to stay in lack. You don't have to stay in sickness. You don't have to stay in poverty. You don't have to stay anything that steals, kills, and destroys. So I want to encourage you to understand that you have keys and you're wired a certain way and you're gifted a certain way and you're designed a certain way and God expects you and I to go in our spheres of influence and unlock and let them know they're free. Come out of darkness and come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Jesus says you have authority with these keys and what you bind on earth will be bound in the heavens. What you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavens.
think with me for a moment. Have there been things in our life that we should have bound, shut down, forbid that we didn't? Have there been things in our life that the enemy stealed, killed, destroyed? I know that's probably not the correct grammar or whatever, but you get my point, right? <laughs> and we let him continue because we didn't know that we had the authority. We didn't know that we had the right to shut down the enemy. You're a child of God. I'm a child of God. He should not be killing, stealing, and destroying in our life. Now, now don't get me wrong. We live in a fallen world. And Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you're going to have trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world, and I've deprived it of power to harm you. Now, this, this takes time. It's a, it's a relationship. Part of our inheritance is that we have keys. And the more we discover about who God is, the more we discover our inheritance, the more we discover the promises of God and how to use them. Those are using our keys. And, and, and what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we, what we loose on earth, not, not God. God isn't the one binding. God isn't the one loosing. Jesus says you and I are supposed to bind some things up, shut some things down. See, a lot of times we want to blame God and, and, and we want to just say, well, God is in control. And that's one of the most damaging beliefs in the body of Christ. God is not in control of anything that steals, kills, and destroys. God is not killing babies. He's not taking people out before their time. He's Remember, remember in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, when it says that he stands at the door? Notice he stands at the door and knocks. It doesn't say that he huffs and puffs and blows the door down. I mean, he's the creator of the universe. He could do that. You know, he's, he's all-powerful. He's almighty. He's all-knowing. But it says he respectfully stands at the door and he knocks. And he doesn't come in until you and I let him in. He doesn't just do whatever he wants to do. No, 2 Chronicles 69 says his eyes are looking to and fro over the whole earth, looking for someone to show himself strong on their behalf. I, I want him to stop when he looks at me. I want him to stop at your house because of your faith. It says when he returns, will he find faith upon the earth? See, faith moves God. Faith allows God to show up. And that's what Jesus is saying Take your keys and apply the word and bind some things. Shut some things down. Don't let the devil continue to steal, kill, and destroy. See, we have more power and more authority than what we've been walking in. Listen to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. It says, Leave no such room or foothold for the devil. devil give no opportunity to him. Now notice, this isn't God saying he's going to give the devil no place. He tells you and I, if, if He tells us to give Him no opportunity, give Him no place, then we must have authority to give Him no place. Remember, what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is what we loose in heaven. This is part of our inheritance as children of God. He says, you give Him no place. Now, the devil doesn't back off. He doesn't run from us because we're so good looking. <laughs> I know that might be a surprise to you. He doesn't, he doesn't run because you have so much money, or He doesn't run because uh, of who your family is. No, no. He only gets His hands off when we use our authority in Christ Jesus. And when, when the enemy looks at you and I, when we understand who we are in Christ, He doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. Remember, we're clothed with the armor 
of God. Not our armor, not Tom, Dick, and Harry's armor, not Aunt Boo Boo and Uncle Ding Dong's armor. This is God's armor made for you and I, and He tells us to put it on on purpose. Why? Because we're designed by God to win. We're designed by God to overcome. He says, you have authority. Go into your sphere of influence to be a light shining in darkness, and what you bind will be bound. What you loose will be loosed. James chapter 4, verse 7, listen to this. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will, he will flee from you. He, he will. S submitting to God is a choice. Resisting the devil is a choice. So when he tells you and I to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, he, he flees because you and I have authority. We have power in Christ Jesus. If we didn't have power and authority, he wouldn't leave. He wouldn't run. He wouldn't flee. When you look at it in the Greek, it's a, he runs as in terror. So we see Jesus says, I'm knocking, but it's up to you whether I come in. Jesus says, now you have the keys of the kingdom. You, you forbid some things. You shut some things down. Anything that steals, kills, and destroys. The Apostle Paul writes, all of them are inspired by the Spirit of God. Now you give no place to the devil. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says you submit to God. See, we can ignore God. We can run from God. We can not let God in. We cannot come into agreement with God. But we also, we can. And when we do, he says you resist the devil. Remember, no place in the New Testament can you find where God says He's going to do anything about the devil. Because Jesus has already done everything He's going to do about the devil. He tells you and I, give Him no place. You and I forbid some things. You and I shut some stuff down. You and I resist in His name. Take His name and, and, and command Satan to leave. Take His name Whatever we command in His name, it will be done for us by our Father which is in heaven. John 14, verses 12 through 14. He says, you do these things in my name. Now, in ourself, we're nothing. In ourself, we know nothing. In ourself, we have no power and authority. But we're not in ourself. We're in Christ Jesus. Listen, listen to this prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. And, and it, it, it includes you and I as believers. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. He says, For I always pray to the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that He may grant to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of Him, by having the eyes of our heart flooded with light, so that we can know and understand. So, so he's fixing to pray certain things for you and I. And he says, first and foremost, that our heart is flooded with light. Now, how can our heart be flooded with light? Remember, Jesus told Peter that, Peter, you didn't understand this on your own. The Father in heaven revealed this to you. When the Word of God comes into our heart, when we're hearing the Word of God, we're thinking the Word of God, we position ourselves in relationship with God. Psalms 119 verse 105 says, The entrance of His Word gives light. But it has to do, Jesus tells us, Matthew chapter 6, that our eyes are a gateway for light. And so when we're looking at the answer instead of the problem, when we're allowing the Word to come into our heart, light comes. And Paul is praying that you and I are going to position ourselves and that our heart is flooded with light so we can know and understand. 
No one understand what? Well, let's, let's pick it up here. No one understand the hope to which He has called you and how rich is His glorious inheritance. Now, this is the first thing. So you can know and understand the hope to which He has called you. Do you really have an understanding of the hope that you've been called to? Now, now think about it. Called, the word called in the Greek means to summons. It's not a just, hey, how's it going? You know, I was seeing what's for dinner tonight. You know, did you, did you turn the water off outside? You know, oh man, the weather sure is great. It's not this call. No, the word call is a word of purpose. The word call means there's an, an authority backing up the call. The, the word call, He's called us out of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, but it doesn't stop there. He calls us to relationship with Him, and then He calls us to get to our place in the body of Christ to be who we're called and created to be. But remember Matthew 22, verse 14 says, Many are called, but few are chosen. What's he saying? Few continue to hear the call. Most of the time we hear the call out of darkness and we come into the family of God and we stop listening to the call then. Instead, the call is still there for you and me regardless of our past, regardless of where we're at. The call is still calling us to be in relationship with Him. And out of our relationship with Him, then we discover why we're wired the way we're wired, why we're gifted the way we're gifted. And that calling draws us to our place of influence to fulfill our purpose and Paul is praying that we'll know and understand the call, what, what we're called to, the hope of our calling. Hope means a confident expectation <coughs> that you can wake up and you're confident about your relationship with God. You're confident that the blood of Jesus cleanses you. You're confident that you're in right standing with God. You're confident that you're doing what you're called and created to be. So Paul is not praying to some bless my serial prayer. No, no. He's praying that we know and understand that our, our eyes of our heart are flooded, that we can know and understand. We see from our spirit man who we're called and created to be. I, I want to know. Don't you want to know? And Paul is praying, and I pray this for our partners regularly, that we know and understand the hope, number one, the hope to which He has called us, and how rich is His glorious inheritance, that you and I have an inheritance. It's, it's very important that we know we have an inheritance, that when Jesus died, He died for us. When Jesus took sin, He took our sins. He didn't have sin that He needed to, to deal with. When He was buried, He did it for us. When He defeated Satan and was resurrected from the dead, He did it for us. When He got the name that was above every name. He did it for us and He turns and He gives us this inheritance. There's so much more in us than what we've been walking in. And He's saying, I, I pray that they realize this inheritance. It's rich. It's glorious. It is, it's so beyond what we've been walking in. And then He continues in the saints and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come, and that He has put all things under His feet. Now think about this, His feet. We are the body. The feet are on the body. He is the head. 
Now, Paul is praying, I pray that you understand that the head, and we would probably all agree, no matter what denomination, we'd all agree, okay, Jesus is all-powerful, He's all-knowing, Jesus is above all principality, power, ruler, might, darkness of this world. He is the head, He's seated at the greatest place of authority in the whole universe, the right hand of God Almighty Himself. But then He continued, and He says, and He has put all things under His feet. Where are the feet? The feet are on the body. And He has appointed Him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church. He's not talking about a building. He's talking about people. That He exercises His authority throughout the church, which is His body, that's you and me, if we're born again children of God, the fullness of Him who fills all in all, for in that body lives the full measure of Him who makes everything complete, who fills everything everywhere with Himself. So Paul is praying, okay, I, I want you to see that you're called from darkness into life. I want you to know what you're called and created to do. And I want you to know this inheritance as a child of God. It is, it is so rich and it's so glorious. And to know and understand understand in this inheritance that the same power that I use when I raised Jesus from the dead, I want you to know this power. The same power that raised Jesus to the right hand of the Father, I want you to know and understand this power. It's unlimited, it's immeasurable, it's surpassing greatness above all rule and authority, power, might, dominion. And he says, I, I want you to see this picture that Jesus is the head and we are the body. And the same power that Jesus has is exercised throughout the body of Christ upon the earth. Just like my head, it tells my elbow what to do. And my head tells my hand what to do. And my feet what to do. And my guts what to do. And my, my you know, all the organs. We could go on and on. But the head who it has the greatest name, the name of Jesus, which is above every sickness, every disease, every lack, every, it is above every name. Whatever name you can think of, the name of Jesus is more powerful. The name of Jesus is above it. And the head wants to exercise this same power and authority throughout the body that is upon the earth. So, so picture this, my elbow doesn't get all the blood in my body. And when it comes to the elbow, then it continues to supply to the hand so the hand can do what it's created to do and the fingers can do what they're created to do. But they don't have all the authority. They have a portion of the authority because they're connected to the body and the head tells the body what to do. And so the head who is Jesus, His power, His spirit, His nature, His inheritance is expressed throughout the body of Christ. Whatever part you are, He says, I want to exercise my authority through those part, my body, upon the earth. So see, my toes have the same name as my head, Trey. Remember, I don't have one name for my head. Hi, this is Trey, and introduce you to John, my hand, or Tim, my other hand, or Bill, my knee. No, no. <laughs> All of me is Trey. We are the body of Christ. His name, His Spirit, His power is exercised throughout the body upon the earth, and Jesus has given us instruction. Listen, forbid some things. Listen, bind some things up. Listen, I've already destroyed every power of darkness. I've already, and then I turn and I gave you my name and I gave you my spirit and I gave you my keys and I gave you my armor. Now you do some things. This is your inheritance. See, part of our inheritance, think about it. What, what did Jesus die for? What did Jesus, what was he resurrected for? What, 
we have so much more than what we've been walking in. God wants us to walk in victory, live a victorious life. But it comes through knowing and understanding. That's what Paul's praying, knowing and understanding really what happened. Part of this inheritance, it's an inheritance of faith, not an inheritance of fear. See, fear allows Satan to operate like faith allows God to operate. When we come into the family of God, we're recreated on the inside. We're born again. We're born anew. We have His Spirit. Now we've been given His name, and He is a faith God, not a fear God. The little g God of this world, Satan, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4 says he's the little g God of this world. He operates through fear, and he wants to continue to even have God's children live by fear because it gives him a right to operate. Listen to this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And Paul is writing to Timothy, who's a young minister, and Timothy had, had allowed the circumstances, and he allowed what he was hearing, and he allowed who was in leadership to get his eyes off of his purpose and off of his God and off of what he was called and created to do. And Timothy knew at any time the next knock on the door could be a Roman soldier coming to take him away at this time. I mean, they were hanging Christians, burning them alive, lying in the streets. That was, that, that, that was the street lights of the day. I mean, there were so many uh, demonic things happening in the world at that time. And Timothy had got, he had allowed fear to consume him and listen to what his mentor, his teacher, his spiritual father was talking to him. And in verse five, he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. So he's saying, Timothy, I want you to remember what God did on the inside of you. I want you to remember, I want you to go back in the times that you spent with your grandmother when they prayed, things happened. When you was with your mother and things prayed, uh, she prayed and things happened. He says that same faith that moved heaven and earth that you experienced, it's in you, Timothy. And if you're born again, child of God, you need to know that you have the faith of God on the inside of you. You have the faith you need to live in confidence and, and trust and faith in our God, no matter what's going on in this world. So Paul is not only encouraging Timothy, but he's encouraging you and I to stay focused on our purpose, to stay focused on our relationship with God, to stay focused on the things that God's instructing you to do. Regain your focus. Remember your first love. Remember what he started on the inside of you. Keep your hunger. And he goes on, I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God that's in you. I want to remind you to use the name that is above every name. I want to remind you that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want to remind you to use the power of praise. I want to remind you to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. I want to remind you to declare the Word of God. I want to remind you to stir up the purpose of God has not changed for your life regardless of what is going on in this world. I want to remind you. So Paul is just reminding us of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, which is in you, and he says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. 
He's saying, Timothy, I want you to remember you're a child of God now and fear has no right to live in your life. The spirit of fear does not have a right to dominate you. I want to remind you that you have a spirit of power, of love, of a sound mind. Power is where we get our word dynamite. It's the word dunamis. It's, it's, it's exploding power. He says, I want to remind you that's what's in you. Love, Galatians 5, 6, says faith works by love. Love never fails. There's no fear in love. He said, I want you to remind yourself that God loves you and, and that same love that God loved you with is in you to love other people. Timothy, refocus. He's telling you and I to refocus. And a sound mind, your mind, your spirit man is born again. Remember, Timothy, a sound mind is a saved mind. You think like you're saved. You think like you're healed. You think like you're delivered. You think like you believe God's Word. You think like God is in you and for you and on you and with you. You think like you know you have angels taking charge over you. You think that you have the name that is above every name. Timothy, you've got to stir yourself up. Trey, you've got to stir yourself up because all of us have flesh to deal with. You know that? There are times that we don't feel like going to church. There are times that we don't feel like declaring the Word. There are times that we don't feel like being lovely. There are times. But Paul is saying, I need you to remind yourself of who you truly are. And your inheritance is not a spirit of fear. Because see, a, a reaction to fear, fear thinks differently. Fear acts differently. Fear talks differently than faith does. Remember the psalmist David in Psalms 23 verse 4? He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now I want you to think of the leadership he was dealing with. I want you to think of the persecution he was dealing with. I want you to think of all the problems that were going on in the world, just like we have issues today. Then he made this declaration, I will fear no evil. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. God, you're, I will fear no evil. When you hear something on the news, I will fear no evil. When you look at your bank account and gas is whatever price it is, I will fear no evil. Your kids are not acting the way you've trained them to act, and, and I will fear no evil. Maybe your marriage is not doing what it should be doing. I will fear no evil. Why would David say that? Because he knew faith is what moved God, and fear was trying to shut him down from being one of the greatest leaders this world has ever seen. And so if David did it, you and I should do the same thing. I will fear no evil. See, that's what the spirit of faith does. Part of our inheritance is, is the spirit of faith. What does the spirit of faith do? The spirit of faith believes God's Word and it declares God's Word. How do I tap into the same spirit of faith that David had, that Noah had, that Moses had, that Abraham had, that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, Jesus had, Peter had, John had, James had? We having the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. We believe and we speak what? According to what is written. You find it in God's Word. Remember, I will fear no evil. The spirit of faith believes God's Word even when you don't feel like believing. Even though you might have the symptoms of fear, the, the feelings of fear, the spirit of faith believes in its heart and opens its mouth because see, faith is a spiritual force. 
Just like fear is a spiritual force. And so when you begin to declare that I'm afraid and I'm going under and I will die and I will have cancer and I will have this and I will have... And you're motivated by... It's a spiritual force that gives Satan a right to operate. But when you believe God's Word and declare God's Word, it's a spiritual force. Remember Job chapter 3 verse 25. Job said, The thing that I feared has come upon me even though he was acting real religious and he was going to the temple and he was praying and he was praying for his kids in fear and he comes out when all hell broke loose against him. He said, the thing that I feared had come upon me. The thing that I feared had come upon me. Fear gave Satan a right. It wasn't God stealing, killing, and destroying. The thing that I feared had come upon me. He got the spiritual force of fear working. But if fear can bring things to us, faith can bring things to us. The spirit of faith does what? When you feel fear, you believe God's Word and you declare God's Word. When, when a storm is coming, you believe God's Word and you declare God's Word. You get a doctor's report, you believe God's Word and you declare God's Word. Remember, God says, you have the keys. You, what you forbid is forbidden. What you bind is bound. What you loose is loose. You have the authority. You give the devil no place. You submit to God. You resist the devil and he will flee. The spirit of faith believes God's Word and speaks God's Word. Now this is up to you. This is, this is not up to God. He says, I give you the keys. I give you the tools. Just like he said, you've got to put on the armor of God. You have it. It's created for you. You have everything you need to overcome and live a victorious life. The spirit of faith believes God's word and speaks God's word. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. He sent his word and healed every manner of sickness and every manner of disease. I believe in my heart and I declare with my mouth. That's what the spirit of faith does. The spirit of faith doesn't just sit back and get their tail whipped. No, no. The spirit of faith Faith believes God's Word, declares God's Word. Believe God's Word, declare God's Word. But that's up to you. It's up to me. Nobody can make me do these things. And Paul is telling you and I, our inheritance is a, an inheritance of faith. It's a rich, glorious inheritance. It's an inheritance that causes us to overcome. He's saying, realize that you're a child of God. You're not just some religious person. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The spirit of faith believes and the spirit of faith speaks. Listen to this in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God or daughters of God. For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage to fear. So when we were separated from God, before we made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, we were influenced by the spirit of fear. That's just the way people who don't know God, that's the way they live. It's the way they respond. It's the way they react because that's the spirit that is leading them. That's the spirit that's influencing them. But once again, Paul is telling us, listen, remember that we don't have this spirit. He says, not a spirit of slavery to put you once more into bondage to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit producing sonship in the bliss of which we cry, Abba, Father, Father. He's saying, realize that you're a child of God. Now realize when you listen in here, you look into your heart that the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is bearing witness with your spirit 
And when you look in there, your spirit's going to say, He's my Father. He's my source. That's what the word Father means. He is the source of strength, source of courage, source of hope, source of healing. Remember, who do you say that He is? Well, the real you is going to say what the Bible says about Jesus, about God the Father, about the Holy Spirit. Who do you say that He is? When you listen, if you're a born-again child of God, you'll hear your spirit man saying, He's my Father, and I know there's more in me than what I'm walking in. There's more to my inheritance than just knowing I'm going to spend eternity with God. And he continues on here, The Spirit Himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we're children of God. Assuring us. Do you have that knowing on the inside of you? And he says assuring us that we are children of God, and if we are His children, then we are His heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing His inheritance with Him. So notice he's saying, the Holy Spirit lets us know, assures us, that we're children of God. Remember, everything He did, He did it for us. And the Holy Spirit assures us There's more in you than what you're walking in. He assures us that we're joint heirs. His name is our name. His spirit is our spirit. The power of His blood operates in our life. The same way it affects Him, it affects us. He approaches the Father. In Him, we approach the Father. We have an inheritance. Joint heirs. Maybe, you know, my wife and I, we have a a, a joint account. The money that's in there, she has every bit of right to it. It is a joint account, a share. We we share it. And so when Jesus made Satan to nothing, he defeated him. He paralyzed him. 1 John 3, 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifest to destroy, loosen, undo the works that Satan had done. So that power and authority, his power and authority is our power and authority. Remember in Luke chapter 9, he brought the 12 together and he gave them power and authority. In Luke chapter 10, he brought the 70 together, gave them power and authority. Then when Jesus died and he was resurrected, he he said, Now all the power and authority has been given unto me, but I turn and I give it unto you. That's our inheritance. And it says the Holy Spirit will lead us, assuring us that we're children of God, assuring us that we're heirs of God, assuring us that we're joint heirs with Jesus. Now, once again, this can't be comprehended with our mind. This has to be comprehended with our heart, with our spirit man. The same comprehension that assures us that we're saved can be the same spirit of God that assures us we're blessed, we're healed, we're delivered, we're protected. Remember, our inheritance is not an inheritance of fear, but it's an inheritance of faith. Go with me to... Um, Let's see, we'll go to John. John chapter 14. This is a very powerful thing, and I'm just touching on some things that can help us here. Jesus lets us know in John 14 verse 1, He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, distressed, agitated. Now remember, who has the power and authority to let their heart be troubled? We do. If my heart is agitated and troubled, then I let it get that way. And Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled, distressed, agitated. How? You believe in God. You adhere to, trust in, rely on God. Believe in, adhere to, trust and rely also on me. So we have the responsibility to not let our heart be troubled. Verse 27, John 14, verse 27, he says, 
Peace I leave with you, my own peace I now give and bequeath to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Who, who is not letting their hearts be troubled? That's our responsibility. Don't let them be afraid. Well, I just can't help it. You know, mama, she was afraid. My daddy was afraid. And I'm, no, no, you're a child of God. And the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. And some point in time in our life, we have to take responsibility. And this is Jesus speaking to me. He says, you don't let your heart be afraid, Trey. You don't let your heart be troubled, Trey. You don't be agitated, distressed, frustrated, Trey. You don't let yourself get that way. Well, how? Do I not let my heart be troubled? Have you watched the news lately? How do I not let my heart get troubled? Have you heard what leadership is doing? Hmm. So I've got to be real with myself. Because we can put on this face. How you doing, oh blessed? I'm just blessed. Yeah, that's so blessed. And on the inside, your stomach is in knots. Go to church. How you doing? Oh, just great. God is just so good, so faithful. You hadn't slept in three days. Not because you're being productive, but because you're full of fear and worry and anxious. And Jesus is speaking to you and He's speaking to me. No matter what the conditions are, He says, you take dominion and authority over your mind. It's your mind. You control the way that you think. Remember studies say we think between 60 and 100,000 thoughts a day. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through 5, that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations. What was he telling us? That we have the ability to bring every thought into captivity and make it line up with what God said. What did God say? That regardless of what diesel and gas prices are, He supplies all of our need. What did God say? Regardless of the doctor's report, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. What did God say? Remember, the spirit of faith believes and the spirit of faith speaks. What did God say? A thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. The spirit of faith believes and the spirit of faith speaks. When Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled, what was he saying? Use what you have. Use your ability to bring down that fear thought and put back up the thoughts of God. Put back up the promise of God. This is why in Philippians 4, 8, Paul says, if you can find anything good and lovely and trustworthy and praiseworthy, anything good, he says, think on these things. Why? Because what we think on gets into our heart. What we continually watch will get into our heart. What we hear will get into our heart. Remember, the spirit of faith doesn't sit back like just some wimp and just think, well, I just can't control anything. I don't know God's in control and I'm nothing. No, 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 no. Get a hold to yourself. He says, you pull the thought down, you open your mouth, you believe in your heart, you get it coming out of your mouth, and you watch. I don't care what kind of fear is trying to grip you, if you will believe in your heart and start getting it coming out of your mouth. No fear here. No fear here. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow. No fear here. Fear, you don't belong here. I resist you in the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus is above fear. Fear, you get out of here in Jesus' name. No fear here. I remember when the kids were little and we'd put them on horses and stuff and the horse might start acting up a little bit and you could see them kind of tinch up and we'd say, no, 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 get it coming out of your mouth. No fear here. I, I remember Chloe, I can just see her. She's this little bitty, four or five years old and she's on this big old horse and the horse started to do something and she'd kind of get a little, and I'd say, no, no, baby, get it. No, no fear here. Let me hear you say it. No fear here. 
You might not be getting on a big horse, but you're living life. And there's going to be times that you feel afraid. I remember one pony took off and, 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 and drug Hayes off the, the little pony, and I had to put him back up on there, and you could tell he didn't want to be up there because life just knocked him for a good one as a little boy. And I just had him continue to say, no fear here, no fear here, no fear here. Get it coming out of him. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. My peace I give to you. This is a peace that you can't get from any drug. You can't get it from any hooker. You can't get it from any, any sport. You can't get it from money. You, he says, my peace I give to you. Isaiah 26 verse 3, it says, Those who keep their minds set upon Him, they live in perfect peace because you're thinking on the answer and not the problem. You're thinking on things good and not bad. You're thinking on what you do have and not on what you don't have. You're thinking on, you're thinking on who's in you, who's equipped you, who's for you, if God's for you, who can be against you. He says, My peace, I give it to you. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Stop allowing yourself. Who, who stops allowing themselves? It's not God stopping it. He says, it's you. Stop allowing yourself to be agitated and disturbed, and do not permit yourself to be fearful. I just can't help it. No, yes, you can. Jesus says, you don't let yourself be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. You don't let it. You, no fear here, you believe in your heart and you declare with your mouth, you resist the devil and he has to flee. You resist the worry and anxiety and fear. The spirit of faith believes and the spirit of faith speaks. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, we're getting ready to be done. He says, and when we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Now notice this, he didn't say you just heard about the love of God. You just didn't see a t-shirt that says, I love Jesus. No, no. He says, you have known and you have believed the love of God. Remember, our belief determines our behavior. Our belief, if I believe that God loves me, I'm going to behave like He loves me. If I believe that God's Word works, then I'm going to act like God's Word works. If I believe, drives my action. He says, you have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. And love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love Cast out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now notice this, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. As He is, so are we in this world. I want you to think about the day of judgment. Jesus comes back. He says, because you understand that God loves you, you're going to be bold. You're going to be confident. Boldness is the absence of fear. So when I'm bold then I know. See, when you know, you're bold. When you're bold, you know. When Jesus comes back, everybody's going to be running and screaming that don't know God. They're going to be trying to hide themselves and cover themselves up. And oh, 
and they're going to be full of fear. And you know what you and I are going to do? Because we're confident that God loves us. God has forgiven us. God has separated our sin as far as the east is from the west. We're going to be bold. Our spirit man is going to be saying, that's my father. That's my daddy. Yeah, yeah, you came for me. And there's going to be a boldness in the day of judgment. We're not going to be afraid because Jesus took our sins. It was already dealt with for us. We're going to be bold and confident. I've been waiting for this time. Now listen, if he says we can have that boldness then, he wants us to have that boldness now, today. No matter what leadership is doing, no matter what the economy is doing, he says, I want you to be bold. When you're confident that because God loves me, he provides for me. Because God loves me, he protects me. Because God loves me, he heals me. Because God loves me, he is my front and my back and my side and my top and my... Because he loves me. When you are assured that God loves you, you're going to be bold. Not only then, but he wants us to be bold now. And he says, and that boldness causes fear to get out of here because you know God loves you you. God loves you. God loves me. He says it should produce such a boldness. I'm not saying a, a false boldness. I'm not saying an arrogance. Boldness is a confidence. Boldness is listening to the real you, the Spirit of God in you, assuring you that God's for you. God's going to help you Keep stepping, keep growing, keep going, stay focused on His love, stay focused on the blood, stay focused on, use your, your, your inheritance. Remember, you're in a family. What was Jesus's is yours. You have His name, you have His word, you have His spirit, you have angels, you have all these things. It is in your inheritance. Enjoy the inheritance. Jesus rose from the dead to give us an inheritance and left us His spirit to make sure we enjoy it. And part of our inheritance is an inheritance of faith, and not inheritance of fear. Believe God's Word. Declare God's Word. It's your responsibility. Fear, you get out of here. You don't belong in my house. You don't belong in my mind. You don't belong in my heart. Get out of here in Jesus' name. This is Trey Johnson. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week.